Hey, we're, like I said, we're in our third week of our series called Why Believe, and that's really a question that many people have, right? I mean, it's a fair question. Why should I believe? All right, why should I believe that God wants me to know him, or why should I believe the Bible, or why should I believe that Jesus was God, or why should I believe that God's going to, you know, take care of my needs, or, or how does science and Christianity, how does that all fit together? And uh, that's, that's the reason why we're going through this series, is to help answer some of the basic questions uh, that you might have. And uh, even as believers, okay, we are really required, God wants us, uh, we need to have a reason, to, we, or we need to know why we believe what we believe. First uh, Peter chapter 3 says this, God tells us, Christians, believers, he says, but in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord is holy. Ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Basically, what God's saying is, is he's saying, hey, if you're living life right, all right, uh, people should be able to see you. They're going to see something different in you that they're going to want, and they should feel the freedom to come up to you and ask you for the hope that's within you. They should, feel, um, they should feel welcome to come and ask you, hey, so what do you believe? And not just what do you believe, but why do you believe what you believe? And God is saying in this, in this verse, he's saying we need to have an answer for that. And the answer can't be just like, oh, oh I just believe. I just do. You know, that's not, that's not, I just have faith. You know, that's the Christian answer, all right? That's not good enough, all right? We need to have actual reasons as to why we believe um, what we believe. Now, totally understand that there are People all over the map in here, we're all at different places, and we all have all kinds of different types of questions, um, but the reality is that there's many people, I mean, if it's not in here, which I, I'm sure there are people in here, but if we are believers, there's many people in our lives who, who just simply haven't decided, right? They have remained undecided on Jesus, and in my opinion, I feel like that has a lot to do with our culture, Right? Our culture kind of tells us, or our culture is increasingly, we don't like to commit to anything, all right? Any of you guys, like, not, uh, not really into commitment? Commitment's tough. Is that hard for anybody? No, one person. It's the, my secretary. Thanks. <laughs> all right, commitment's tough sometimes. Um, that's why, like, if you look at, you know, if you go out and you fill out a survey, whether that's online or maybe that's in the mail or whatever, you know, they'll say, hey, did you... Like this product, yes, no, or there's, sometimes there's a box that says undecided. Oh, I'll click the undecided. That's the easiest. All right, I think that's the reason why a lot of people move in together before they get married is because you can have that life, you can have that marriage life in a sense without having to decide on marriage, without having that, that full-time uh, commitment. All right, and I, I'm like this too. Um, sometimes Kate, she'll come up to me and she'll be like, hey, you know, can we, you think in a couple weeks uh, we could do this? And I'm like, eh, let's, hold, let's not decide on that right now. You know, something else might come up. Two weeks is a long way away. You know, I'm like, eh, maybe. Um, as parents, I think one of the biggest decisions that we have to decide on is, uh, is naming our kids. Anybody struggle with that? No? Okay, a couple people. Yeah, kind of freaked me out is uh, Kate and I, we have two boys, one's four and one's two, and uh, as the first, as our first son, Toby, as he, um, we were getting, Kate was getting ready to give birth, and I'm like, man, I don't want to decide on a name, like, think about a name, they're going to be living with that name for the rest of their life till the day that they die, like, it's kind of an important thing there, and, um, and so 
a lot of people, I totally understand, um, you guys had your names picked out, you know, six months in advance before your baby was born, and I, I have a friend who, she had like the names of her five kids picked out before she even had a boyfriend, you know, it's like, all right, but she's, got it, she's got it decided, all right, some of you, it's like six months before the baby, you already announced it on Facebook, you're like, hey, little Connor, you know, will be coming in this world in just a few months, and you know, it's all, it, some of you guys are really good at that, but not me, I'm not like that at all, I decided, or Kate and I, we decided on Toby's name like one minute before we got to the hospital as she was getting ready to go into labor, all right? And so we, we decided, we're like, all right, let's, th- this is what we're going to do. For our second child, it took us a lot longer than that, all right? Wes, we, uh, we tried to decide on the way to the hospital, but uh, we didn't come up with a decision. And then in the hospital, she's, as she's in labor, we try to come up with something, and we're like, I don't, I don't know. And then we, she gave birth to Wes, and he was, for the first, like, half day of his life, he was, like, the, the you know, the no-name kid. And, um, it, you know, it's just, like, it, decisions are hard, okay? Especially a decision sometimes that, that is going to impact, you know, in a sense, the rest of our life. And so what we, a lot of times what we do, especially when it comes to tough decisions and hard decisions and important decisions, is we like to put it off. I'll decide on that later. I'll figure that out uh, another time. And what we do is we, it's almost like we check the undecided box in our mind as if being undecided is our decision. It's like we play these mind games with ourselves. But in reality, undecided is not a decision. It's not an answer. And it's not an option uh, with Jesus. And uh, I mean, think about it. Gandhi, Buddha, uh, Confucius, Muhammad, They all said, hey, if you follow me, that they would show us the way to God. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I am the way. All right? Other religious leaders say, hey, I'll show you the truth. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I I, I am the truth. Other leaders said, hey, follow me and I'll show you God. And Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. I mean, think about it. If Jesus is who he really said that he was, I mean, if, if, he, if he was, then everything that he taught us about God or morality or eternity and salvation, it's all true. All right, and that should make a difference for us. But if he was not really who he says he was, then he's just another religious leader among many. All right, feel free to take what you want, leave uh, what you don't want. Right, you, you, you could decide whatever. It, does, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter, and it, people could decide different things on them. See, we aren't the first people to have to wrestle with this. We actually see people in the first century trying to decide this very thing. And so one day, uh, Jesus, he's, uh, he's in the temple in Jerusalem, and there are, there are people from all over kind of congregating in Jerusalem because there's this festival going on. It's a week-long festival. And so people from really all Jews from that area world of the world would travel to Jerusalem um, for this festival. And so Jesus is there, and he's teaching everybody, and, and, uh, and large crowds are gathering around him, and people are asking questions, and he's answering those questions. And uh, you got some people in the crowd, they've decided to believe that Jesus was from God. I mean, they're like, okay, something is different about this guy that uh, he has to be from God. 
all right, or he is God, and they've decided that. While other people in the crowd, they've decided against Jesus. They're like, hey, I don't like what Jesus has to say. Jesus says things that I don't agree with, and so he's lying, and so he is not from God. And the people in the crowd, they actually start arguing with each other, where some are saying, no, Jesus is evil, and some are saying, well, how could he be evil? Look at all these, like, um, miracles that he's, he's healing people. Like, you know, that, he's got to be from God if he's doing that kind of stuff. And they start arguing with each other. And really, the question that everyone is asking is, who is Jesus? Who is he? And that's the same question that we have to ask ourselves today. I mean, think about it right now, like, in your own mind. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Just some guy who lived 2,000 years ago and had some good things to say, or maybe you're just like, I don't know, not sure. Or, you know, maybe he was, was he, he was a moral teacher, he taught some good things, or maybe he was a, a godly man, like he was actually a man that God sent to us, or maybe he was actually God. See, when it comes to Jesus, there are really only three options, logically, and uh, the first option you got is he, he was a liar, right? I mean, and if he was a liar, then that makes him evil, meaning that he was deliberately lying about himself, and instead of being the most, most moral man in history, which a lot of people, even non-Christian people would say that, I would argue if he's a liar, then he's probably one of the most immoral men in all of history because he has led, you know, millions of people astray from the real truth, whatever that is. And so maybe he was a liar. Or two, he was self-deceived, meaning he thought he actually was from God, meaning he's crazy or, or he was some sort of mentally unbalanced. He's a guy who walked the earth, who said some good things that, uh, that literally believed that he himself was God. Or the third option is that Jesus is who he claimed to be, and he was God. And if he is God, if you think about it, that changes everything. And that's what people in the first century here are trying to decide. And so what we're going to do is, if you're, if you're on your own, I mean, feel free to read chapter, John chapter 7 and chapter 8. That's where we're going to kind of be at today, on your own, at home. But we're going to look at the end of this dialogue that Jesus has between, between the people, the kind of the crowd, and himself. And uh, this, this is where we're going to start off with. At the end of John chapter 8, verse 48, it says, The Jews, they responded to him. They say, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? By the way, if, you're, if you were here two weeks ago, I talked about this. Uh, Samaritans and Jews, remember, they don't like each other. All right, actually, they hate each other, and they've hated each other for centuries at this point. And so uh, Jews viewed Samarit as Samaritans as um, lesser than them, okay, almost as half-breed Jews. And so they don't like each other. They fought against each other all the time. And so when the Jews respond to them, they're saying, hey, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan? All right, they're really jabbing Jesus because he grew up in a town called Naz Nazareth that was in that area. And so... The Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus says, I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. So they jab him with the Samaritan thing and Jesus just ignores it. He doesn't even, he doesn't even talk about it. And what they're saying is they're saying, hey, you are a liar. You are evil. Actually, they go so far as to say you are a demon or you have a demon. And if you think about it, if Jesus is lying, then what they're saying is, 
100% correct. I mean, it's 100% correct. I mean, if he is lying, then he, then he was evil. I mean, because Jesus, he walked around telling others to abandon the religious beliefs and, and to trust him for their eternal destiny. I mean, he, he said that you could only get to heaven through him and that he was the only way. And if he lied about that, then he has led millions of people astray from whatever the real truth is, which is what I said earlier. I mean, even us here today, even myself. See, the problem with that thinking is that Jesus taught things that we like. Right? Jesus taught a lot of good things that we like, like uh, Jesus taught to give to the needy. We like that. Jesus taught about uh, or against being selfish, and Jesus respected women, and he was uninterested in politics or uninterested in his own power. Actually, we see in the New Testament that at one point the Jews are like, hey, they, they're ready to make Jesus their new king and declare him as king. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm here for. Right? Jesus, he served others. Those are things that we really, really like, that we think are really, really good. And so you'd have to say that this man who taught all of these things was the biggest liar, really, in history. Leading people astray, even to this day. And this is exactly what some of these people in the crowd were thinking. In the next verse, in verse 50, it says, Jesus says, I do not seek my own glory, there's one who seeks it, and he judges. Truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. All right? It's a little different. And then the Jews said, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you claim to be? See, what these people are doing is they're, they're, they're all about their ancestor Abraham that we see all the way in the first book of the Bible in the, in the Old Testament in Genesis. And so they're looking at their ancestor Abraham who they view as probably the most righteous person around or that they can think of. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, you're saying that everyone who, who obeys you will never die. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're looking around, they're like, we all die. So what you're saying is, is wrong and what you're saying is, is a lie. And they look at, they point back to Abraham. They're saying, even Abraham died, like the most righteous man in our history. Even he died. And the Old Testament, the guys who wrote uh, a lot of the Old, or even the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, the guys who wrote a lot of the Old Testament. He says, even those guys died. And what these people are missing, what this crowd's missing is that Jesus, he's talking about spiritual death here. He's talking about their hearts. And what he's saying is, hey, if you do life on your own, and you remain in sin, he's like, that's spiritual death. He's like, I'm here to offer life. These people don't get it. And instead of uh, them saying, instead, they're saying things like, hey, you think you're better than our guy Abraham? And again, they ask him that question, who are you? Who do you claim to be? Next verse. Jesus says, if I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My Father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. And you do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, then I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham, he rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. 
the Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? See, even here, it's like they're questioning his sanity. It's like they're laughing Jesus off. They're saying, whoa, 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 Jesus, you're telling me that you've seen Abraham? Abraham lived like 2,000 years old. Look at you. You're not even 50 years old yet. You're crazy. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. And really, that's our second option. All right, either he was a liar, or number two, he was, he was just crazy. Because if you don't like the idea of, being, of Jesus being a liar, then, then maybe he was just mentally unstable. Meaning he mistakenly thought that he actually was God, and he was sincere about it, and he was a, he was a good guy. But he was sincerely wrong. See, and the problem with that thinking is this. Jesus' influence has been transforming lives for over 2,000 years. I mean, he has literally rewritten the outcome of human history. Right? Most of the human race, you know, uh, it dates its calendar by his birth. It's kind, you know, he was kind of a big deal. And so if you think of that, that, mean that, that means that the outcome of human history was changed and rewritten based on a mistake. Based on a mentally unstable man. The most famous man to ever have walked the earth was actually crazy. And all these people who ended up dying for this, who walked with Jesus and then ended up dying for Jesus, were just dying for a mentally unstable man who, who was mistakenly wrong about his identity. It's not a great option. Then Jesus says something that stuns them. In the next verse, it says, Jesus said to them, he says, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden, and he went out of the temple. Notice something. Jesus says something so countercultural here. He says something that is so offensive that these Jews actually pick up rocks to throw at him to, to kill him on the spot. They felt like he deserved to be killed on the spot. And, the, and what he actually says in the phrase that he uses, Jesus says, truly I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. And what Jesus is referring to is really the name of God. And these, these Jewish people got it. Because they knew the Old Testament really, really, really well. A lot better than a lot of us know the, the, the Bible today. And so they, are, they know that Jesus, he's referring to the story in the Old Testament that we see in the book of Exodus. Where Moses, um, he actually runs away from Egypt because he, he murders a guy. And he flees Egypt and he becomes a shepherd kind of out in the wilderness. And he kind of starts a new life. He's got, he marries a lady and they have kids and, you know, just starts a family out there. And he's a shepherd. And then he's, he's doing that for 40 years. And then one day he's out doing, I don't know, whatever shepherds do back then. And uh, the, he looks up at this mountain and there's this like bush that he sees that seems to be on fire, but it's not like burning. And so he's like, all right, that's weird. And so he does what 
all men would probably do. He's like, I'm going to go check that out. And so he goes up there, and uh, he climbs up the mountain. He gets to this bush, and sure enough, it's this bush that's on fire, but it's not actually burning. And the bush starts speaking to him in a sense, but it's not actually the bush. It's actually, it's actually God. Um, he's just using the bush to get his attention, which works, and it would work for me too. And, uh, and so God starts speaking to, to Moses, and God's like, hey, Moses, I want you to do something for me. I want you to actually go back to Egypt, and, I want you, and I'm going to use you to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt because they've been slaves for like hundreds of years. And, we look, and when we think back to Moses, I mean, probably everyone in here, we've heard of Moses before. We've heard of his name, at least. And when we think to Moses, we think, wow, super godly guy, okay? But Moses had his faults as well. And so when God is telling him this, Uh, Moses, he comes up with all these excuses as to why he shouldn't be the one to go. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 God, you got the wrong guy. Those people aren't going to follow me. They're not going to do what I say. All right, I'm not good at this. Actually, Moses, he even says, hey, I'm not even a good speaker. Like, I'm not a good public speaker. You don't want me leading, like, like tens of thousands of people, uh, hundreds of thousands of people out of a country. I can't do it. And one of his excuses is actually, hey, God, they are going to be, they're going to be asking me the name of the God that sent me to them. I mean, because there's fake gods all over the place with all these different names people have just made up. And they're going to be like, first question, hey, what's the name of the God that sent you? What do you and he's like, what do you want me to tell him? I don't, I don't know your name. You don't have a name. And it's Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. This is how God, uh, this is what God says to Moses. He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Fast forward 1,500 years. Here's this guy in the middle of Jerusalem with crowds all around him, and they're asking them, or, and, and the crowds are asking him, who are you? What's going on here? Who are you exactly, Jesus? And here's this guy claiming to be the I am. He's saying, I am who I am. I am the uncaused. I am the self-existent. I am the uncaused cause. And the Jews, they got it. They totally understood exactly what he was saying. And that's the reason why they pick up these rocks to stone him. Because here's this guy claiming to be God right next to the temple where they worship God. And, and the penalty for that, the penalty for blasphemy, for claiming to be God, that is death. And so they're like, this guy claiming to be God, this guy deserves to die right now. It's not actually the only time that Jesus claims to be God. In John chapter 10, just a couple chapters later, similar situation going on here. It says the Jews surrounded him and they asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Again, here they are asking the question again, who are you? The same question we're asking today. That's how Jesus responds. He says, I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, he's greater than all. 
No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. And Jesus replied, hey, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy because you, being a man or being a, a plain guy, you make yourself God. See, similar situation going on here. Who are you, Jesus? What's, you know, who, who are you exactly? And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And similar reaction. They're like, hey, you deserve to die on the spot. You deserve to die. And so as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, what is Jesus doing here? What's the point? You know, what, what, what's he, why is he interacting with these people in this way? And what we see Jesus doing is he is pushing them to make a decision. He is pushing them to make a decision. One thing um, that I didn't like about birth, uh, well, actually, there's a lot of things I didn't like about birth. Um, but one thing that I didn't like is that uh, the hospital staff, as we had Wes, and they're asking us his name, and we're like, you know, we, don't, we haven't decided on that yet. But one of them tells me, hey, just so you know, um, you are not allowed to leave this hospital with him without giving him a name. And as a guy, I'm like, kind of pushed back a little bit. I'm like, who are you to tell me what I do with my own, you know, what I do with my own child? But it's actually probably a good thing because Wes would probably still be the no-name kid, even to this day, if it wasn't for that rule that I don't know if it's actually legal or not. You know, I was like, eh, I don't know if you can do that. But, uh. We really like to remain undecided, all right? And kind of like this, hosp- this staff person at the, at the hospital, you know, God is telling us, he's saying, hey, you have to make a decision, all right? You have to make it. Jesus was not okay with us being undecided. He was not okay with us being neutral. That wasn't an option. Right? He even pushed his own disciples for a decision. We see in Matthew chapter 16 that, that Jesus, he sits his disciples down. That was kind of his, his best friends, his na- main group of guys. And, and he says, hey, guys, who do you say I am? And Peter, being the, like the, the loud, boisterous one, he was like, I know. You're the Christ. He's like, you're God. See, Jesus is forcing you to make a decision about him. And so think back to that question. Who is Jesus? Like, who is Jesus to you? Some guy who had some good things to say doesn't really fit. Being a good guy doesn't fit either. There's really only three options. Either he's a liar, or he's crazy, or he's actually God. There's no in between. You cannot camp out on, well, he's a good guy and he had some good things to say, but, you know, but he wasn't actually God. That, that is not an option, logically. Being undecided is not an answer. And so for you, I don't, again, I don't know where you're at. Um, if you have never decided on Jesus, it's not like a super crazy thing, hard thing that you have to do. You just got to understand a few things. You got to understand that you're not perfect, that, you, that you've messed up just like me. 
Right? You've got to understand that you've got to believe that Jesus was God and that he paid for really everything that you've ever done wrong. Why do you have to do that? Well, because he's a just God and he has to punish evil. He has to punish sin. That's, that's what a just, a perfectly just being would have to do, and he does that. But he punished himself, and he paid the price for himself. And really, all you have to do is you just got to ask him into your life. You got to have a conversation just between you and God, nobody else, because this doesn't involve anybody else. You just got to have a short conversation with God, asking him to be a part of your life, telling him, hey, I don't want to do life my way anymore. I'm ready to do life your way. And I don't know, maybe there's somebody in this room where you're ready to do that today, and there's no better time to do that than today, because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And if you already have that relationship with God, meaning you've already decided on Jesus, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel like you've strayed from God. We all feel like that from time to time. Where it's like, man, me, God and I, we used to be so much closer. I used to feel so much closer than I do now. And you need, to, you need to get in his word. You need, to, you need to grow in your relationship with him. You need to focus on him. Because if you believe that Jesus is God, really, that should change everything about you. And so my question for you, if you've made that decision, is if you believe that Jesus is God, does that show up in your life? Has that changed your life? Can you see that? In your life, can other people around you, maybe you feel like you can see it, but can other people around you at work, at the workplace, or at home, or at school, or wherever it is, can they see Jesus in your life? Can they see that belief in your life? What's awesome and comforting for us is that we can have confidence as Christians. That Jesus is God, because the only other two options are that he was a liar, or that he was crazy, which aren't options at all. We have confidence that Jesus is God, that he claimed to be God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. And God, you've given us so much and more than what we could ever understand, and you have you came here to reveal yourself to us, and you claimed to be God. You told us who you were. God, we ask that if there's anybody in here that doesn't believe that they would start that relationship with you today. Lord, and for those of us that do, we ask that our belief in you would show up in our life, that we would reflect you that people around us in our life would be able to see you through us. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.